In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The entire mystery and meaning of our Christian faith is contained in these five words that the Lord addresses to us. When you pray, say, Father. But when I hear or read these words, I also think almost immediately of my earthly father, John, John Kraft. And with the passing of the years, I find myself pondering his life more and more. He was born in 1910, a year and a half after his parents immigrated to America from East Prussia, a place that hasn't existed since the end of the Second World War. When my paternal grandparents arrived here, there was no such thing as what we call the social safety net. There was no welfare check, no food stamps or EBT cards, no federally mandated medical care at the emergency room, whether you have money to pay for it or not, no social security, nothing. All that was many decades in the future. What America had, which drew millions of people to it, was freedom and opportunity. But it guaranteed nothing, certainly not a living. My father was the second born of seven children, five sons and two daughters. <clears throat> and while my grandfather worked hard and long, he was a carpenter, they barely survived. When my father was in elementary school, the uh, school authorities diagnosed him as clinically malnourished, which is a nice way of saying that he was starving. My grandparents were Christian people, and so my father and his siblings were all baptized. My grandfather taught each of them Martin Luther's small catechism, and they were all confirmed. At the end of eighth grade, my father left school for good and went to work 10 hours a day. Everything he earned, he took home and gave to his parents. He continued to do that for years. At 14, he was fortunate to get a job as a painter's helper. Eventually, he became an apprentice and then a journeyman and finally a master painter and decorator. He was very proud of having a trade, and he took great pride in his work. It meant, as you probably know, a lot of climbing. He would drag me out in the summertime to work with him, help him. And there he found out, as I did, that I can't climb. It's one more disappointment for my poor father, you know. My father, of course, had no fear of heights and worked high steel and hung off the sides of skyscrapers, uh, and he fell twice, once before I was born and once when I was in high school, seriously injured both times, but he recovered both times and went back to work and began climbing again. His childhood could properly be described as impoverished, but it wasn't. He was a Christian. He had been baptized. He knew who God was. And as St. Paul tells us more importantly, God knew him. 
He had no adolescence of the kind that many of us know. Throughout his teenage years, he shouldered adult work and responsibility. When he was 19, and just beginning properly, his adult years, the economy collapsed in what we know as the Great Depression. It was devastating, and many of his stories were, of those years were stories of the hardships endured, the hardships that marred his adult life. He was in his 30s before he met my mother, and they were married. And thanks to my father's and mother's hard work, self-sacrifice, self-discipline, and love, I enjoyed a wonderful, happy childhood and adolescence. And I never went without anything that I actually needed. And I was the first person in my father's family to receive a university education. My sister was the second and last until another generation was born. As a consequence, my father, who had made my happy childhood and youth possible, and I encountered one another across an abyss of incomprehension. We simply couldn't understand one another, our lives being so very different. But with the years, I think about it all, my father's life and mine and our relationship. There are two people in the world who have the right to call this man whose life I've been describing father. Those two people are my sister Karen and I. We alone know him as father and have a right to call him father, our father. This is precisely the claim that was made by Jesus our Lord, that he, the son of Mary, has a father, and that that father is God, and that he has come into the world to tell us about his father, and to call us into communion with his father, so that we can enter into life, the fullness of life. Midpoint in his public ministry, our Lord asked the apostles, who do you say that I am? And Peter said in response, you are the Christ and the Son of the living God. And our Lord replied, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Just as my sister and I alone have the right to call John Craft our father, so Jesus, the son of Mary, alone has the right to call God father. Jesus' claim is that God is to him as John Craft is to me. And his insistence on this is everything. All his prayers, all his recorded prayers, with the exception of Psalm 22, are addressed explicitly to my father. And because of his insistence on his identity as the unique personal son of God, he was denounced as a blasphemer 
and he was crucified. He was crucified for nothing else than insisting that he was the Son of God and that God was his Father. His enemies said that he had made himself equal to God by this claim. And of course he was, and he is, and he ever shall be. His resurrection and ascension are his father's proclamation and confirmation of his identity as his only begotten son. Our Lord Jesus Christ is the unique personal son of the one Israel knew as the Lord God, Yahweh, the creator of heaven and earth, the one who led them through the Red Sea into the wilderness on their way to the promised land, the one who gave them the commandments. It is imperative that we understand that we ourselves are conceived and born as creatures of God, not his children. And we have no right to call God Father, no more right than any of you have to call John Kraft your father, or that I have a right to call James Stambaugh my father. In truth, we are all conceived and born as lost children of Eve who need to be reborn by water and the Holy Spirit. In the words of St. John, to all who received Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Jesus has come into the world to share his identity as the Son of God with us, and by means of that sharing, impart to each of us a supernatural identity by sharing in him by faith and the grace of the sacraments, which are his continuing presence among us until he returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. We become sons and daughters of his Father, who is God himself, and we enter into the mystery of God. We enter into heaven already here on earth as adopted sons and daughters of God the Father, adopted brothers and sisters of God the Son, and temples of God the Holy Spirit. This is an identity objectively imparted by baptism, and it is imperishable. Not even death can take it from us. And all this is contained in those five words that our Lord addresses to us. When you pray, say, Father.